Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James. Wait, sorry. This isn't how <laughs> Hell, this is it's fucking December. What the hell am I doing? <laughs> ah, sorry. Welcome back to the Zeppelin 3 arc part 5. <laughs> Yay! So I am going to say what I'm drinking real quick. And it's a nice odd end cap because the very first episode I was drinking Black Acre Brewing Stormfront because it's a Norwegian farmhouse ale. And I said something about Norwegian way and, you know, comes from the land of the ice and snow. They have partnered with a Wilderland distillery out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Nice. And last time I was there, uh, they had a gin, a reserve gin, which was created with uh, juniper berries, of course, you know, a gin and stuff. But they also have some other floral, botanically-like type things that made a really floral gin. And I just opened it, like, literally before we started recording this particular episode. So I'm going to try it in a second. But so in caps, where I got it, uh, the reason I got gin is twofold. One, the biggest one, is because Jody and I have been talking about Monty Python a lot. <laughs> and Graham Chapman evidently would drink liters of gin a day. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, but also our friend Emily, who's been on the podcast, actually is a huge gin fiend. And uh, <laughs> she's actually got some that she's going to share with me. And I thought, well, you know, this looks good. I'm going to buy it, but I'll share a bit with her. Uh, we, we haven't yet. Well... As of recording, we have not yet. <laughs> oh, damn. That is floral as fuck. Holy hell. And and I'll be honest, also, uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I started getting into gin and tonics a bit more because they, of course, talk about gin and tonics. Yeah. Well, and then there's the whole juniper berry thing. Juniper? Those are my juniper berries! <laughs> which, which is the other Monty Python reference. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing like seeing Terry Jones run around with a long beard and nothing else. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I think I'd prefer seeing Carol Cleveland, but, but without the beard. <laughs> you know, I'll even take Carol Cleveland with the beard because she still would have turned around and we still would have saw her backside just like we did Terry Jones. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> take what I can with Carol Cleveland. I'll take what I can with Carol Cleveland right now. <laughs> <laughs> Connie, Connie Booth's still looking pretty good, too. Oh, Connie Booth. I did not re realize she was the witch in uh, Holy Grail. Yeah. 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 Yeah, the things you find out when you start reading, like, <laughs> about the specific thing. I, I only knew about it this year, too, because of all the research in the Monty Python. So it's not like it's a thing I've known for years. I've known about it since five months ago. <laughs> yeah. So not, not being cool and going, I knew it before you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did, but. <laughs> not by a long enough time that I should be proud of it. <laughs> or, or as she was sometimes credited in some of the episodes, Mrs. Cleese. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. John Cleese. <laughs> no, I think you're right. Just Mrs. Cleese. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah. Now that we've one. fanboyed out about <laughs> enough English stuff, let's talk about Led Zeppelin. Oh, <laughs> right. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah, as much as I say fucking English because of my Irish background, the fucking English have their kick ass on all sorts of stuff. Oh, yeah. So anyway, uh, we have talked muchly about Led Zeppelin 3 stuff with the recording and their touring and their recording and their touring. And this final one will be about the actual album. Yay! Uh, 
Usually we'll talk about some songs and have a few various quotes. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Uh, so I can start with released October 5th in the U.S. and October 23rd in the U.K. You can, although you've mentioned that in a previous episode. I have, but have I mentioned before it hit number one? No, no, you have not. Actually, I have, but it was the pre-Zeppelin where I said I'm not going to ever mention this again. (laughs) 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 Uh But I tell a lie. (laughs) Um, Mostly because it hit number one upon its release in the U.S. and U.K., but it was also number one on the Canadian, Danish, Italian charts, and it did hit six times platinum in the U.S., so for an album that is not their best, it's still (laughs) six platinum. Yeah. Just a few notes on recording that did not mention last time because for some reason I put the notes here in this part. I don't know why. Drinking, I'm assuming. That's a good guess. <laughs> uh, Jimmy got his dense acoustic sound using the Altair Tube Limiter, which he picked up from Dick Rosmini. And what 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 the hell did, was I writing here? What the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It says Martin Guitar was more expensive than Jimmy's harmony, but Jimmy still Jimmy still used the harmony on Bay, Bramble on Friends and Stairway. So evidently I was trying to make a note about which acoustic guitars he used and that he used the Martin guitar lot, except he used the harmony on those others. That was the weirdest damn note I've had in all twelve pages of this. <laughs> but anyway, Jimmy also used various amps, including the Vox, Super Beetle, and the High Watt, and of course the Marshall. Yeah, he's usually mostly associated with the Marshalls, but the High Watt apparently was pretty popular because I know, um, uh, I think it's what Pete Townsend used. Ah, that's where I've heard it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because uh, and uh, the the Who song "Long Live Rock," um, Pete mentions the High Watt amps. <laughs> Do you know who did their album cover design for Three? Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, um, I I do. I do, but if you have that note, go ahead and give it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Mr. Kata! Uh, it's a friend of Eric Clapton from our school, and his name is Zarkon. Is it Zarkon or Zachron? I don't know how it's pronounced. It's spelled okay. Z-A-R-C-O-N. Yeah. So, Zarkon, Zarkon, Zarkonian. Fuck if I know. Um, but yeah, Zarkon actually said Jimmy called to congratulate him on the cover, even though Jimmy didn't really like the cover, indicating, again, that Jimmy's a polite gentleman. I'm, I'm glad you actually wanted to talk about the cover, because I was, I was going to give, I was going to talk about it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, but I'll let you finish, and then I'll, I'll, then I'll, I'll go to mine. Okay, cool. Uh, just, Jimmy said he didn't like it because it's a little teeny bopperish. But he see that. Yeah, but he did like the revolving wheel on the inside, uh, which is called a Vovel, uh, because it's uh, like an old gardener's catalog type of thing, but it had a lot of symbolic images. So he did like that part. Yeah, yeah, that's um, kind of what I was going to say. I didn't, I didn't necessarily care so much for some of the images that were on it, because yeah, I, I hadn't really thought of it as being teeny bopperish, but I, I can see, I can see where Jimmy's getting that. Yeah. <laughs> I just love the fact that you could actually, you know, I, again, it was a gatefold, so it opened up. And if I remember right, didn't it have the spinning wheel worked on both the inside and the outside of the cover? Yeah, yeah. So as you spun the wheel, it would change the how the album cover looked because different things would pop up where those cutouts were. Maybe not the best images to use, but it was just so neat. To, you know, they put that much work into it. 
Um, yeah, I loved it. I actually had the vinyl um, yeah. for a long time. To have something really cool, I would say, even by the reissue, because the reissue still has all of that. Yeah, yeah, it does. But, you know, if I remember some of the some of the images that you'd see as you spun it around would be uh, the different band members and Zeppelins and, you know, just, um, I, don't, you know, I don't remember what all of them were, but it's, it's pretty cool, you know. I always, I always liked it when bands put that much thought into the album cover and everything. I do too, yeah. And, well, Jimmy, with his art background. Yeah. Uh, there is a rock side, of, of, Jimmy likes to say, a rocky side and a folky side. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of neat, but other than a bit of discussion about the critics and a few closing quotes, I am ready to actually get into some of the song, what we think about them and the minutia. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. And as usual, figure we'll start with side one and just kind of go through with yeah. the release order. Yeah, that works. And of course, one of my favorite all-time songs is Immigrant Song. Not going to do my impersonation again of... <laughs> no. It hurt. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I learned about this song in Stephen Davis's Hammer of the Gods before I heard the, heard the album. I think I probably heard the song on our local radio station, Classic Rock Station. Yeah, probably, yeah. But I didn't quite know that was Immigrant Song because I probably just heard them say Led Zeppelin and not which song it was. And uh, It's not a witch song. It's a Viking song. Yeah. So... <laughs> You know, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting I, when when I actually got Led Zeppelin three and sat down and you know put it on the turntable and and sat down and listened to it and riff just you know I mean they just tear into it and then Robert unleashes that howl and it was like, holy shit! No kidding. How can you think that's a soft album with that? Even if that's the only hard song. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, one of the most metal moments they had. Even though I'm sure Robert would probably roll his eyes at that comment. Um, <laughs> Maybe even Jimmy, because they don't like to be called a metal band. Yeah, and it, well, and for the most part, I wouldn't say they are a metal band, but they had metal moments, and that is definitely probably the most metal moment they had. It's definitely a metal moment. I agree. It is one of the few songs on my heavy metal playlist that's actually not by a heavy metal band. Mm -hmm. Robert played that live not too long ago, maybe last year, or you know, like a year, year and a half ago or something. Because I know there was video showed up on YouTube of it, of it, and it was because uh, because a lot of the Zeppelin stuff he does now is they've radically rearranged. And uh, no immigrant song they pretty much played as close to the album version as they could. Surprising because Robert's voice has lost so much of that high end, but um, he still managed to pull off that scream. He is the mighty rearranger. <laughs> Nice, 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 nice. I think Jimmy says it's a chord fragment more than a riff because it's an octave jump from F sharp to F sharp. And, and Plant likes to say that we really had come from the land of ice and snow because if you remember from the previous episode, Mr. Davis and Cole, Majors, <laughs> it wasn't a book about Vikings because they were been to Iceland. <laughs> my, my favorite quote on this is, Plant said it inspired generations of guys with crossed axes tattoos. <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> nope. And uh, Paige said Robert was magical and that he himself used the secret unused G chord and thinks it has an energy similar to Link Ray's rumble. And it kind of does. Yeah. Alex Skulnik from Testament, uh, among other bands. Yeah. Lists this as his favorite Zep song. I can understand why. One of my favorite Zep songs. 
Yeah. I mean, if you were to ask me which is my favorite, like heavy Zep song by heavy metal, like heavy, mm-hmm. probably this. Definitely up there. I'd, I'd probably have to agree. But of course, when I say heavy, like heavy metal, it's different than heavy, like heavy blues, because they get some, you know, that's. Yeah, yeah. That's different. Yes. That's a different cat dog. <laughs> my grandma would say when she went out to go fleece the ewes. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't either. I'm not getting less drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to move on. Okay. Next one. Friends. Yeah. Which is actually one of my all-time favorite, like, easy, soft songs. Uh, you know, I'm going to say that for about every damn song. I love all the damn songs, but I do love Friends. That is one of my favorites. It's one of the favorite I've learned to play that I actually got fairly decent at because of the tuning. The yeah, I was, I was... DC. Yeah, what was the tuning? C-A-C-G-C-E. Okay, okay. So it wasn't the dad gad, it's the other. Yeah, it's not dad gad, it's kekja. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but that tuning allows for that droning sound. Yeah, yeah, because it's got an open tuning. So you, when you strum and, you know, you can just let the open notes, the open strings keep going on in the background. So let's see. Yeah. We, we know what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> And that was that was kind of inspired by Indian music. Yeah, this is definitely part of that CIA, that Celtic Indian Arabic that we mentioned yeah. in a previous episode. But yeah, this is Friends. Is uh, there? Oh, there's a good bootleg that he and Robert did when they were in India that we'll get to because in a like between four and five maybe albums between I four and think houses. So yeah, they went to India. If not that, is between houses and drinking too much. Uh, Physical graffiti. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't remember when they did that, but yeah, I do. I, cause you gave me a copy of that. But it's good stuff. So yeah, we'll talk about that. But yeah, it fits very well with Indian music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, if I remember right, the Indian musicians had problems with it. But. Well, it's cause they saw problems with Western style timing and <laughs> tuning. Yeah. So even. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it was heavily influenced by that. Uh, I'm ready to move on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Celebration Day. Yeah. Not the album. No. No. Not not the live. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) Probably isn't the only one you can hear Bonham yell "fuck" on though. (laughs) Uh, You have to know where. You have to know it's there, and you have to really listen because it's not. You know. Yeah. Yep. You can hear John Bonham yell "fuck," and Jimmy says he left it in for sonic texture, not because it's cool. I I I believe that, but I also believe it could have been both. Yeah. Now that one, the original intro to the song got erased and that's yeah. why they, yeah, they, so they let the drone from friends kind of bleed into <laughs> celebration. Yeah. And now if you want to hear what that original intro sounded like, um, the, the remastered song remains the same live album has the, has they, they play with the full intro as it should have been. Because otherwise they were going to have to re-record the whole song, <laughs> and I don't remember it was. I don't remember how it wound up getting erased. I don't either. You know, I don't have that. No, I don't either. I I read it. Do not recall. Somebody. It, it wasn't anybody in the band. It was somebody at the studio. That's that's all I remember about it. Cool. You ready to move on? Yeah. Since I've been loving you. Uh huh. I do know that if you will go to uh, if you know the band Moby Grape. I do. Their 68 album, Wow, 
also had a giveaway album with it called Grape Jam. That's how I know Moby Grape, because my dad had the Grape Jam album. Yep, their song Never, highly influenced or similar to, depending on who you want to listen to, uh, the song. One of my favorite songs for a long time. Still not a favorite song, but over the years I have come to appreciate it more. I'd agree with that. I always liked it, like it more now. But yeah, yeah, it's it's not ever been my favorite. It probably never will be, but it's it's good stuff. Didn't they get some shit from the the critics and the reviewers about trying to do a blues song and... I, I don't know if it was this one. They got shit for doing everything from the critics oh, and reviewers. Well, that's, that's and true. But song yeah. and all, I think even starting in with one, I'm not saying yeah. that this one wasn't even more so, but they were always getting flack. Yeah. I think it's probably, I started listening a little bit more to Bonham's drumming on that one, on, the, on that song. And I think that's when I started to appreciate the song more. I have a good anecdote for Robert on this song. Okay. So Robert won the nail this and he was trying to get pepped up. So, uh, according to engineer trainee Richard Digby Smith, Robert would have an herbal cigarette and a couple shots of Dak Daniels and then went in and nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And I wonder if herbal cigarette means a clove or if that is a euphemism for uh, something else. It could be either. <laughs> it's all good. Why not both? It could be two things. <laughs> <laughs> it could be two things. <laughs> uh, the, the solo was recorded several times. Several solos were recorded by Jimmy, but he was never happy with any of them. And he thought the first was the best. Terry Manning, though, who we mentioned, is the help mix it. Mm-hmm. But it's one of his all-time favorite rock solos. And, of course, also said Page was a master producer and musician until the drugs took over. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They'd started working on it during the tours for Zep 2 wasn't really working for the second album or during the tour so it fit in better here yeah i was gonna say i really can't see where that would have fit on the second album no page said john paul jones was instrumental in its structure i can see that jonesy's organ work on that is phenomenal oh yeah uh, there's a squeak in the bass drum pedal that jimmy said drove him more and more insane every time he listened to the song (laughs) And do you know what a key this song is in? Uh, is it the key of Z minus? No, that was the grade <laughs> you got from Miss Bemis because she didn't understand your biology experiment. Uh, I'm going to leave that there because <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, okay, what key was it in? It is the next to saddest of all keys, C minor. <laughs> C minor. <laughs> D minor being the saddest of all keys. Uh Anyway, that, that's that's what I has on that song. I I, I got I, I got that Z minus thing from a uh, Aerosmith video. Oh, <laughs> all right. So next one is out on the tiles. Initially well, titled bathroom song due to the sound of the drums. Yep. But it ended up being titled from a drinking term Bonzo would use called out on the tiles being drunk. And the actual drinking song whole title thing was out on the tiles. I've had a pint of bitter. And I'm feeling better because I'm out on the tiles, which is a slang term for hitting the bars and bitter being a Makes type sense. of pale ale in, in English. Yeah. Yeah. And here in the States too, but they usually don't do it right. I would have to say that's probably next to Immigrant Song, my favorite song on the album. Huh. I can see that. I just love the, the way it goes. It just, because it kind of, the transition from that intro to the, to the main part of the song and then uh the the it changes into this other part at the end it's it's just the those different parts of the song i don't know i just i just love the the different parts of it and you know that they're all kind of put together in one song it's 
And I think the time signature and everything's kind of screwy if I was to look it up. <laughs> that's all I got on that. Cool. That, that's all I had to. <laughs> <laughs> right, so going to side two, probably my second favorite song on the album is Gallows Pole. I do like that one. I would probably put that at third. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a big folky type fan anyway, but yeah. Yeah. Based off of Made Freed from the Gallows, one of the child ballads, uh, which is a list of 305 traditional ballads from England and Scotland and their American versions collected by American Francis James Child in the mm -hmm. latter half of the 1800s. And maybe, maybe we should point out the difference between a ballad and a love song at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like in the old time ballads are long, actual story structured songs and not just all about love. Yeah. See, I would, I, I would say Since I've Been Loving You is more of a love song, but it would get classified today as a ballad because we think of ballads as love songs. But that's not what a ballad truly is. A ballad is a song that tells a story. And I, because and maybe we've brought this up before because I always point out, Rime of the Ancient Mariner by Iron Maiden is a ballad. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah. Some blues artists throughout the years have recorded different versions of this song, predating Led Zeppelin, even some of them, because I, I cannot remember who it is. I know there was somebody that had a song called Gallus Pole. That would be Lead Belly from uh, his 1939 release, The, Gall the Gallus Pole. Also, a 1962 album, 12 string guitar by American musician Fred Gerlich. A bit of people did it, but yeah, it's, I love this one too. Uh, I, I learned how to play this one, and it's one of my favorite ones to play. Yeah, it's, it is a really cool song. Dave the Snake Sabo from Skid Row said he loves Gallows Pole because all these parts going on, he made it all make sense. Yeah. Uh, that, that's that's what I I, I oh, had. Yeah. I just I love that old timey where they take old school things and make them new and yeah. keep some of the other stuff. Me too. And uh, next song, Tangerine, would be up there in my favorites. I mean, it's, that's it's a really good one. It's one really of the most beautiful songs on this album, I think, as far as just pure beauty. Yes, we've talked a little bit about this before. This song dates back to Jimmy's time in the Yardbirds. Yeah, I actually I wasn't going to even go into much detail because we had talked about that in the first episode of this arc. I think so yeah yeah I just was throwing that out there but yeah there's there there's recordings of where the Yardbirds had, had at least tried to record it yeah they even came out on their live album even though Jimmy took away the vocal track <laughs> yeah but yeah that's this I, I would agree this is I don't you know I don't I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite ones on the album but I, I out of the whole Zeppelin catalog I definitely I, I do think this is one of the more beautiful songs they did <laughs> Yes, it's haunting. Yes, it is. And can't even blame it on Headley Grange. <laughs> Poor Headley. That's it. Oh, never mind. You said it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We talked about it in the first or second. So okay. I'm ready to move on if you are. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, next one is That's the Way, which isn't quite the dadgad tuning, but it is the DGDGBD tuning used by blues artists. You know, I, I like the message in the song, but I think overall probably one of my least favorite Zeppelin songs. I've never made a list of my least favorite, but I can say this isn't on my favorite. I know this one was played quite a bit when uh, they were on the road. So uh, I know, I know it's probably one of their favorite ones. Huh. And this is, this is the one that you mentioned earlier was originally titled the boy next door. Yeah. I, I really yeah. don't have much else on that. <laughs> I don't either. 
Uh, I think we covered the next one too, Brahmar Stomp, a fair bit. Yeah, we've we've talked about it. Um, now, <laughs> you had uh, again, you had given me a copy of a bootleg, <laughs> <laughs> which was called uh, J- uh, Jennings Farmhouse Blues. Yeah, and um, all it was was take after take after take of them rehearsing the, an electric version of this song, actually because the, the, the one on the album is acoustic. So uh, in 2014, when Jimmy was re-releasing, rema- or was releasing remastered versions of the first three albums at that point, I, he took all the guitar parts and mixed them into one track or, or uh, mixed, mixed them all together on one song that he called Jennings Farmhouse Blues. And it's, that's what it is. It's the instrumental, it's the electric instrumental version of Bramar. Bramar Stomp, I should say. Brumar is a different song. Right. <laughs> I, I, I almost want to put this one in my top three on the album. <laughs> <laughs> I do love it. It's like a, it's, it's it's, a rollicking good song. Yes, it is. And, and the lyrics, I mean, you, you start listening to the lyrics and, and you think Robert's talking about a girl and it turns out he's talking about his dog Strider. Strider. <laughs> named after the character from Lord of the Rings. It's, uh, it's an awesome song. I was so jazzed when the um, when the uh, How the West Was One live album came out, and they actually Jimmy actually you know they they had been playing the song live and it's on that album and I was like, how cool is that you know? <laughs> because because at the end of the song Robert yells out Strider. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, I don't. I, Obviously, I'd read Lord of the Rings by the time I listen to this. And when I'm listening to it and I hear that, I'm like, ah, it's not fucking great. But why, yeah, is, no. he, but why is he in love with Strider? <laughs> I didn't know it was about his dog at first. I don't think I have much to talk about on the last song. Uh, hats off to Roy Harper, except to mention, we've got, got bits of Book of White, White's Shake Him On Down. And I, and I do like the song, but it's, it's like kind of one of those songs that I don't think about much one way or the other. Yeah, I again, I would put this one with "That's the Way." It's not one of my favorite Zeppelin songs. It just is probably closer to my least favorite Zeppelin songs. I don't know why. Uh, the the 2014 re, uh, remastered edition that Jimmy put out, he put out an unreleased song. They took two blues songs, um, "Key to the Highway" and "Trouble in Mind," and kind of mixed them together as in into one song. And I heard that and I went, "Well." shit you know i would have rather had that on the album than hats off to roy harper <laughs> i i thought it was the better song but i you know i i don't have anything else on hats also you know i i, I don't either that's what i got on all the songs yeah me too although i could say that there were some singles we talked about they didn't like singles and didn't put them out but there were some singles. we then we are not done talking about the songs because yes <laughs> Going to get to that here in just a second because we're going to mention Immigrant Song as a single released November 5th, 1970. Peaked on the U.S. billboard at number 16. Its highest was number three in Denmark, not counting the digital downloads in the 2000s, which went through the roof. Was when Thor Ragnarok came out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was their set opener from 1970, 1972. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What other song could we possibly be talking about? Hey, hey. Um. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can go there. 
Uh, that, that, that other song would be, Hey, Hey, what can I do? <laughs> yes. We can't. No. no, I love this. I, uh, yeah. I remember, I think you were even probably with me, but we went to Headstone and Friends in Terre Haute as uh-huh. like a combo record store and head shop. <laughs> yeah. And, and I actually found the 45 vinyl of uh, Immigrant Song and, and Hey, Hey, What Can I Do? Although, I mean, I'm 100% sure it wasn't an original pressing. No, it was it was probably later. I um, I had also bought it, but I don't I don't think I bought it at Headstone. I think I bought it at uh, one of the other record stores in town. Yeah, it's a good. I like that song. It's really good. Yeah, well, and, and you know because it was um, it was a B side, and that was the only way you could find it. It it was not an album cut. Um, of course, we didn't know that a couple of years later in 1990 they were going to put out their first box set, and of course they put it on the box set. Anyway, besides a little bit of things on critics and, and a couple of quotes, that's what I has on the songs. Okay, yeah, I don't have anything else. I mean, I mean, I guess I could talk about how Jimmy Page didn't put a guitar solo in "Immigrant Song" on this in the studio, but on live recordings he did. Because Jimmy likes the spotlight as much. As <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, not because I don't have anything else. <laughs> okay, I mean you could talk about it, but I. How much of that sums it up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. That's that's all I had to say. <laughs> Critics, boo, <laughs> bastards. So I'm going to sum it up with this. Critics, you're too commercial. So Zeppelin writes folk songs, which leads to you're selling out and cashing in. You're missing the isn't, point now. Isn't, wait, isn't <laughs> being too commercial selling out and cashing in? Yes, yes, that that is rather. This wouldn't have happened to me in Lester Bangs, would it? I, I intentionally don't write critics' names down. I don't. I don't think this one was. In fact, that, that's sort of a conglomerate of what they were saying. Like, yeah. not necessarily one critic. Some critics were saying you're too commercial. So Zepp does the, go to folk songs, and then other critics say you're selling out and cashing in. Critics are not known for their consistency amongst themselves. <laughs> that's that's true. The plant has said that. This is our single most important achievement, which knowing what he puts out now with his people, I, I can see where he loves three. Yeah. Page thought this was a wonderful group and I had the chance to be adventurous and we could attack anything, especially in regards to, to three. And some general quotes, uh, not necessarily about the album, but they were given at the time of this album. Page okay. on an ideal song, the platonic ideal of a song. Picasso once said that a painting is never done. I sort of feel the same way about music. I would never say anything is perfect. Yeah. And Plant on the third album, ever since Led Zeppelin III, I have enjoyed adventures in minor keys. It's very emotive. <laughs> and uh, Robert likes to mention the impossible third album, meaning after the first two, how do you compete? Because, you know, a lot of people have a sophomore slump, but even if you get two, your third's not great. He says... He loves Zepp's third album and lists others too, including Mumford and Sons, which we talked about in the folk yep. episodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, he's mentioned them in his podcast too. He's got a podcast. It's really good. He, he does. I need to get caught up on it. Um, I'm, I'm a little behind. Uh, season three just started as we're recording this. They've got okay. one episode out for season three. Okay. Uh, but uh, both to show how well Zeppelin continued to kick ass and to bring out the awesomeness of the third album i think from how he was talking about it uh, and he goes on with well where's the impossible 23rd album just find a groove and go for it and the walls will fall down yeah <laughs> he's such an awesome hippie 
I've got just a couple things here to sort of finish up this whole era before we go into four. Okay. Do you have anything first? No. The band and Grant and Atlanta were ready for them to get back to writing and recording a new album because of their disappointment to the reactions they got for three. Uh, so in November 1970, they went back to Brumrar and began working on another album, which is where we'll start with four, variously titled Zoso, Signs, Four, Untitled. Robert actually likes to call it Signs. That's his preferred name for it. Okay. So I'm going to end, uh, except for our banter at the end, and whatever Jody has to add, with a quote from Jimmy Page that says, because they're going into the 70s here, there, this is the end of the 70s, fuck the 60s, we're going to chart a new decade. Boy, did they. Oh, <laughs> boy, howdy. <laughs> that is our Led Zeppelin three, Phantasmagoriana. Yeah. Sorry, I was, I was yawning. <laughs> I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me try that again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's great. Yeah. I don't have anything else on it. What else do you have to add, my good sir? No, that's about it. <laughs> Cool. All right, then. We shall wrap it up. We appreciate you listening to us. Yeah. Give us some reviews. If you happen to think about it, we'd appreciate it. Tell your friends. Share us on social media. Yep. Hey, we're on Twitter. Well, we are. Terrors underscore manner. Yep. Uh, I'm good. Are you good? I'm, I'm great. So until next time, I'm James. I'm Jody. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. Rawr. Ah, T-Rex. Uh, ready? Well, now it looks like we're going to have to do an episode on uh, <laughs> Martin Birch. Sadly, because of the Guinness I've been drinking, I've actually become more sober as we've been recording. <clears throat> anyway, oh, Jonesy's organ work. That came out <laughs> totally wrong. Oh, I just thought it was about Smeagol because it talks about fishes. I could see that too. <laughs> Damn it, Robert, put those books down. <laughs> precious fishes laying in dirty water, dying. Juicy, juicy fishes, my love, my precious. <laughs> You and your damn liquid juniper berries. Those are my juniper berries. <laughs> There's a joke there with seven inch vinyl too that I let go. That's why I was quiet there for a second. <sighs> okay.